Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. There's a difference between the conversation in bail reform and prison reform and the idea of whether or not we believe in incarceration for people who have broken the law. But there are a fair amount of people out there who don't believe in any level of incarceration at all. Incarceration is racist and bigoted and blah, blah, blah. And I, I mean it like that. I want you to know that I'm up for this fight. You got to show me how incarceration is just proof positive of racism. In order to do that, you must be able to make the statement that anybody in prison shouldn't be there regardless of the proof against them. Regardless of the act they committed. Notice I didn't say you couldn't show me a case where somebody shouldn't be in jail. Because I'm willing to bet that you can. One of the reasons I do not favor the death penalty is that I don't favor the death penalty until DNA evidence has been presented and tested. You cannot take someone's life and then realize you made a mistake. And I would even go so far as to say that prosecutors who have not engaged DNA evidence where it could be exonerating and someone has been put to death and realize a mistake is made, they should lose their jobs. But we have people who want to go out there and say that all incarceration is wrong. And those people are wrong. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. That is the number. Yet I've got members of the squad and others really upset about incarceration. Are they upset about five people dead at this attack or, or this violent act at this Christmas parade in Waukesha? Anyone? Anyone at all? This guy who originally we thought was running from another uh, instance where, or, or incident where there was a stabbing, maybe that wasn't the case, drives his truck into a parade, murders five people, injures 40. This guy was arrested twice in this past year. He's a suspected, uh, uh, not suspected, he is a convicted sex offender, a, a registered sex offender in Nevada. An active warrant for his address, uh, his arrest. He was arrested twice, and he was let out on five hundred dollars bail in February because you know COVID was just engaging a lot of overcrowding. We had to do something about it, so you let the sex offender go. And then a thousand dollars earlier this month, a woman accused him of punching her and running her over with his SUV. That's the guy they let out of prison. Even the Milwaukee County people are like, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have done that. Really? What gave it away? But we have people who are convinced that this case or not, well, you, you can't keep people in prison. You see, if you're going to have the bail conversation, you're having a question of whether or not people should be able to attain their freedom because of cash. If you can't afford to pay, you can't get free. But then we take rich people, we make the bail incredibly high. So you're taking advantage of the rich as well. I think that's an absolutely acceptable conversation. But you understand that that is just a feeder conversation. 
it's a way to lead into the, the larger one of we shouldn't even have people in custody. The amount of people who see custody as racist. Would it be racist to put this guy in jail? He murdered five people, and I'm using the term murdered. He murdered five people and injured 40. This guy doesn't go to jail? Tell me why. Because he's black? I dare someone to explain to me why this black man doesn't go to jail. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. And I will put forward to you that the people who are engaged in the conversation of no incarceration aren't having a conversation about race, they're having a conversation about ideology. It always plays out that way. Now, if you were to say to me, why are there different sentences for crack and for uh, cocaine, powder cocaine, I'll say to you there shouldn't be. Something I have said many times. There should not be a difference in the two when the only discernible difference in someone, I, if someone presented me data, I'll look at it. The only discernible difference is powder cocaine is used by primarily white people and crack is used by primarily black people. Although there are plenty of white people who use crack and plenty of black people who use uh, powder cocaine. But that seems to be why you have two different sentences. I'm not down with that. I want no part of that. Let's change that. Fine by me. Should this guy be in a jail cell, yes or no? Should this guy get a trial, innocent until proven guilty? Absolutely, positively, even though we have all the evidence. Innocent until proven guilty. I happen to like the court system. Let's use it. It's so possible to have two conversations at the same time. It's valuable to be able to be people rational enough to engage two conversations at the same time. But for so many people, they are desperate to be ignorant and they are desperate to engage in in, in a way that makes it racial as if somehow that's going to stop you. We really are in a strange moment. And to share this, I wanted to, sh- to share with you this, the, or, or to explain it, I wanted to share with you. This, this, uh, this, 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 this interview that was done with Rashida Tlaib, the representative bigot from Michigan. Now, I, if, if you don't remember Rashida Tlaib, let me see if I can uh, remind you of who Rashida Tlaib is. Rashida Tlaib is this woman right here. People love you and you win. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won, bullies don't win. And I no. said, Baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there and we're going to impeach the mother. <laughs> That's Rashida Tlaib. Yet here she is in an interview with Jonathan Swan over there at Axios. And she's just the most delightful young woman. 
In 2020, you endorsed as, uh, the BREATHE Act, which yeah. is a series of proposals to transform America's criminal justice system mm -hmm. and create, quote, a roadmap for prison abolition. The BREATHE Act proposes emptying federal detention facilities within 10 years. To what extent have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I, again, I think that everyone's like, oh my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not That's what, what I'm, Yeah, says. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so endorsed actually says release everyone But in, in 10, 10 years. years, but think about it, who are releasing? But there are like human traffickers, oh, I know. child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? No. You endorse the bill. No, I endorse the BREATHE Act and looking at federal uh, the policies and how we incarcerate. Absolutely. But it says in there. But you cannot, you cannot, you cannot just blankly say, oh, look, she wants, that's not what I'm saying. But that's like in plain text. But oh, she's coy. Oh, she's sweet. She's almost being dismissive. Oh, we're like, we're going to release everybody. That's not, it is what you want to do. You mean, when you're talking about Trump, we're going to impeach the mother blanker. Meaning, you're not worried about the rule of law. You're just going to figure you're going to impeach him on something. That was always your plan. And now, we, we learn about what the Breathe Act is. You and Ayanna Presley pushing this thing. A bill, as, as described, presented by the Electoral Justice Project of the Movement for Black Lives. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, don't don't look at this thing that I want to do, this radical thing that I want to do. You think this is about race? It's about ideology. It's about people who don't believe in America as is. Do we do prison wrong in America? Yes, we do. We got to ask ourselves what we want of people in prison. And my answer is we want them to have better lives when they get out. It doesn't have to define them. It was a part of their life. They paid their debt. They move on. We should be teaching people skills while they're in prison so they can get jobs when they're out of prison. It seems rational to me. But does this seem rational to you? What it is that Rashida Tlaib really wants? She doesn't believe in prison at all. She believes in having, the, having people who have committed crimes released. There are people very upset with Andy No. Andy No is a reporter, last name N-G-O, at No. It's pronounced No. Because he's reporting on this guy. This guy who killed five in Waukesha. And leftists are infuriated. They're screaming and yelling about Andy No reporting on this guy. His name is Daryl Brooks. He's trending on Twitter because people are reacting to his comments because he's reporting on a guy who murdered five people. But according to the left, you what? You can't you can't report on somebody who's black. That's weird. Keith Olbermann responded with, as long as you don't care whether you are telling the truth or leaving out details to fabricate your narrative, America does not care whether you're not you're sorry, only that you are stopped. What what is he reported on? Here is this guy. Here is his criminal record. Here's what he was doing. Here's who's dead. What hasn't been re what what is it that's been made up? 
They are infuriated, infuriated that anybody's going to report on a black man killing people in Wisconsin. That's what they're infuriated by. And who are the they? The they are inevitably, invariably, white liberals. Who feel that, Keith Oberman, I rest my case, who feel they have to stand up against this injustice. Five people are dead. The injustice was against them, Keith. This is why you're a guy screaming at people on your balcony. His balcony does overlook Central Park. Don't think I haven't noticed the amount of money he made for being this guy. You're so upset that we would report on a black man who murdered five people, just like we would report on a white man who murdered five people, because we do. But you think that that's somehow a crime in and of itself. So now, never mind the whole conversation. A whole conversation about what you want from prisons and whether or not there should be bail. And how this guy was able to get out on $500 bail and $1,000 bail, respectively, in the same year when he has a warrant out for being a sex offender in Nevada. Now they're upset that you're talking about it at all. That's a lot of bigotry. But the biggest mistake you can make is thinking that this is black-white. It's not. It's liberal and other. It is liberal and other. We have to ask ourselves what we want out of, out of a prison system. What is it that we're looking to do with a prison system? I, it's, it's extremely important that we do uh, exactly that. Should this guy be in jail? Well, of course this guy should be in jail. Innocent until proven guilty, there should be a trial, but you think you should let this guy back on the streets for a third time? If we have to write it in in such a way that we ensure guys like this don't get back out on the streets, who is guys like this? Guys that try to run people over more than once. I'm sorry, guys who try and succeed in running people over more than once. There, does that make it better? Nonsense merchants. Rashida Tlaib doesn't believe that people of a certain skin color should be in jail at all because her bigotry demands it, her ideology demands it, but I repeat myself. People are mad at journalists on social media because they dare note that a black man may have done something wrong in America. I'm old enough to know that there are black people who do things wrong and white people who do things wrong and Asians who do things wrong and Hispanics who do things wrong and men and women and gay and straight and Jew and Christian and Muslim. I never told anybody you can't uh, report on Bernie Madoff. Who is the chick from Theranos? Elizabeth. Elizabeth Holmes. She's on trial right now. This uh, this girl is so white, uh, she could literally be the mayo in your sandwich. I never once said you can't report on her. Did I ever say you can't report on Jeffrey Epstein? By the way, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Never said it. You can report on these things. And the people who say you can't, those are the people who are the problem.
because they're the ones who allow their, their, their liberalism, really, to get in the way of their humanity. And they make the claim that none of this is allowed to be discussed. Five people are dead at this guy's hands. I want him tried. Get him a lawyer. And then put him in jail. Where he belongs. I'm Tony Katz. So Joe Biden decided to keep Jerome Powell as chairman of the Fed, Federal Reserve, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. And true to form, uh, he took questions from the from the reporters. No, wait, he, he didn't. Thank you all. By the way, the music, the music wasn't me. The music was from the White House. They, they, they threw a little music in there, I guess, to, to keep people uh, quiet, I, I assume. Thank you all. You got to love it. You got to love it. They, 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 they throw in there a little, a little smooth jazz. And you're like, oh, that's lovely. Look, I'm a huge fan of some of some smooth jazz. All right, it's the theme to Taxi, but it's the closest I had on me. Honestly, the theme to Taxi make you feel good anytime, day or night, which is such a weird thing compared to the characters on that show. Honestly, how can you feel bad in hearing that? They are so afraid of questions at the White House. So unbelievably controlled. Don't you miss a president who would answer anything, anytime, anywhere? Biden will answer nothing. I have been asked, uh, what do I know about the conflicts going on between the president's and the vice president's office? Uh, First, it is as normal as the day is long to have... um, Conflicts between the two offices. The vice president never feels like they're being utilized properly. They're planning uh, their next road. They're dealing with the fact that the president wants them to do something. They got to figure out how that's going to affect them politically down the road. So there's there's a lot there, and they always want to make themselves bigger than they are. The president's always trying to do the job of the president. That said, I do think that there are issues, and the issue started when they picked Kamala Harris. The wrong choice. So the fact that they don't have to deal with the with the bed that they made, cool by me. The closing arguments in the Aquaman Arbery case, I gotta take. You tell me what you think. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Thanksgiving is here, and you know I'm a, I'm a I'm a giver. I'm a lover. I'm a giver. I, I like to, I like to help. I think I think it's you know, it's it's the least that I can do because a lot of people they don't know how to they don't know how to handle how to handle their Thanksgiving. They have no idea how they're supposed to uh, to deal with with Thanksgiving and and deal with the, some of the problems that can come up. 
Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. So I got a couple things for you. So uh, I, I am a believer that Thanksgiving should be a, a, a very, very relaxing occasion. It's sometimes hard for people to do because they've got family members who are total psychopaths. We know this is true. We don't have to pretend it's not true. Done. So it's one of the reasons that I recommend, uh, you know, cigars and bourbon. I'm not saying you have to do either one. I'm not saying that the key to a good Thanksgiving is getting, you know, rip-roaringly drunk. I'm just saying that sometimes it can help people have a conversation outside of the political. It's very, very helpful. So I, I, I had come out with uh, a, a listing. You guys know that in addition to this, I do Eat, Drink, Smoke, right? We have this radio show, podcast, Cigars and Bourbon, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. We're on 70 stations across the country for the, for the love of the Lord. And the podcast is going great. And I just designed the book cover. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, uh, I shouldn't say I just designed, just to prove the book cover. Uh, so what I'm, I'm hoping to do is be able to share with you that in the next week or so, the book is available for sale. I'm, I'm a little late to it. This is our first one, and I thought we could get it done before the holidays, and you can't rush the thing, and I don't want to rush it. So if I don't get it done, I don't get it done. It would stink. It would stink to miss a holiday season. But there's always the next one, and we're doing it. We're self-publishing it because that's the world. There's no need to go down any other road. Amazon is very, very good at these things, and there are going to be other players that come out in this. And so it's a book on bourbon. Right, it's, it's bourbon quotes, it's the history of bourbon, understand the law of bourbon, what makes a bourbon, um, recipes that you should really know, some great names in bourbon history, all of it. Um, so very, very excited by it. I'm, I'm not unleashing the name just yet. Ah, can't wait. Can't wait. Because we're going to see if people connect it in a certain way, and, and, I, and, I, and I'll get there. So I've got some bourbon recommendations. We made them on the Eat, Drink, Smoke show, and I wanted to share them with you. These are my, almost talking to Fingers Malloy, my co-host here. These are my three bourbon recommendations for this Thanksgiving. And if you have a question, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. You want advice? You want to know what cigar to do uh, for, for the afterwards to break up the day? I'm, I'm here to help. I'm, food ideas, I have got you covered. This is my holiday, people. I am here for you. But as for your bourbon, your drink recommendations, listen up. I think those are good picks, especially the, the small batch uh, with 1792. And my list, I also went with the 1792, but I went full proof. Huh? We, we traded places in this one, and the full proof is 125 proof. Oh, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead, fingers. Yeah, put my would cigar you, down. Would, would you please? <laughs> right there. I mean, the, this is a mash bill that it's, it's undisclosed, but the guys at BreakingBourbon.com think it's about 75% corn. And so it's, it's just got this, this wonderful, wonderful uh, flavor to it. Don't get me wrong. It, it's, it's got a, a big alcohol nose there, um, but it's, it's got heat and sweet uh, on, on the palate. It just really signifies, you know what, the meal is over, and now you're taking it a whole new way. You're taking it a whole new level of, 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 of pleasure uh, right there. And, yeah, it's about $45, $50 a bottle, a little more expensive than, than, than the small batch. But I think that 1792 does wonderful, wonderful work. But the one that I will most probably go for is the Old Elk Weeded Bourbon, which, to me, pound for pound, was one of the best things we've tried all year. Now, it's 51% corn, 45% wheat. It is a weeded bourbon, so it's got that different 
kind of feel to it. You know, weeded bourbons, Pappy Van Winkle. That's what people uh, think of there. But it really just... It, it, it brought a, a, a lot of that, 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 that bit of a maple syrupy going on uh, right there with also a, a bit of spice. It, it, the Old Elk was, to me, one of the more surprising things I've had to taste this year on Eat, Drink, Smoke. It really did take me uh, and, and say this. This this is special. 92 proof. It's about $65, $70 a bottle. It is more expensive for sure. But if you've got the right people at your table, it is not for everybody at the table. I'll say that. But if you've got the right people at the table and you're not afraid to spend the dollars for those people, the Old Elk Weeded Bourbon is a great, great pick. And I also went in a different direction for number three, but I didn't go with a rum. I went with a rye, mm. as I do the Pikesville Rye. I was actually, uh, I, I hosted a fundraiser for a group called Spirits for Smiles. They do something here in Indiana called Whiskey Fest, and they auction off whiskey. I was auctioning off bottles of Pappy 15 for $2,000 uh, just the other day. It was crazy amount of fun. And then people, there's a whiskey pull, and you can buy things you can rarely find for the, for the retail cost. It, it's fantastic. And I was talking to someone about how Pikesville Rye is in my top three. I, I think Pikesville Rye is a fantastic, fantastic bit of work. 51% rye, 39% corn, 10% barley, according to BreakingBourbon.com, and 110 proof. I went with the 110 proof. Oh, that's, I, 100, that's 110 proof right there from the people out of Heaven Hill. As a rye, I think it just stands up so absolutely positively wonderfully as something that shows what 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 it can bring what it can offer what it can do i am not a, a fan of oh, i shouldn't say a fan i'm not drawn to the whistle pig kind of kind of rise out of vermont pikesville for me it's and maybe i gotta try them all again which is okay twist my arm <laughs> uh, it just it brings something uniquely different uniquely fun that's the kind of thing that I look for in a rye that makes me say, you know what, this is kind of special. It's got that rye spice, but it has that touch of vanilla going on there, and 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 some of that some of that fruit that all together says this is perfect. And you're like, this is different. And sometimes you can't put your finger on why it's different. Right. But the Pikesville Rye, fifty dollars a bottle. It's in my liquor cabinet. It's not not even a question. No, those are great choices. And I, you know, with Thanksgiving around the corner, uh, I'm looking forward to cooking with my bamboo rum. I'm gonna make- Now, bamboo rum is sensational if you've never had it. Bamboo rum is terrific. So I I chose two bourbons and a rye for you that you can can bring to the table and be very, very happy with. 1792, that's that's the year Kentucky became a state, 1792. Uh, The full proof. Now, you can do the small batch. It's an excellent, excellent bourbon as well. Uh, Then the Old Elk Weeded Bourbon and then the, the Pikesville Rye. That... I'm telling you, the table is going to be thankful. You're going to be thankful. At least you'll be drinking something worthwhile. Right? Producer Ari, when you're at the Thanksgiving table, what do you drink? Water. Really? That's fascinating. I don't know. I I like water. (sighs) It's You you try with the children so hard, everybody. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a big, like, liquor drinker. Before a big meal. Really? Yeah, just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like the way I feel afterwards. Okay, look, look, you got to know your thing, but you don't even do a beer? Oh, I'll do like a beer or two, but like I don't, 
I always eat too much if I get too tipsy before eating, so I try to limit it. All right, look, you, you got to know you, right? You got to you got to prepare for for uh, Thanksgiving the way the way you need to. You know what I mean? It's 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 important. You can't you can't ruin your meal by by having a drink that's going to not work for you. I just I am a big believer that you should um, you should be able to uh, in, in enjoy. You know what I mean? You should be able to. Uh, uh, to 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 relax and sometimes with these families, sometimes with these families, that's that's difficult. And so I I I, I and I hate that by the way. I can't stand that. And people, you know, when when you're like, oh man, I gotta go to the holidays. You know what, Uncle so and so and Aunt so and so and this one. I I don't buy into any of that. I don't even know why you go. I don't even know why you show up if if that's gonna be the case. I really and truly don't. But I'll get to uh, cigar recommendations coming up in a little bit. Closing arguments in the trial of Ahmed Aubrey. I think it's Ahmad Aubrey. Uh, I, I'm here to tell you I have been doing. Um, I have been reading. I have been following to the best of my ability. This has not gotten the coverage that the Rittenhouse case got. It should. Because as I see it, these three guys chased down Ahmed Aubrey and created the situation by which he was killed. The defense wants to make the claim that he was wrong to go after them because they had guns. So Ahmed Aubrey is this black man in Georgia, Brunswick, Georgia, I believe it is. And he has been seen walking around a, a neighborhood, a development where there are houses under construction, things like that. And uh, allegedly things have been stolen from the construction site. And so you have this father and son, this other guy who sees this guy walking around. They think it's the guy who's been around before. They want to call the police. They they, um, want to hold him, try and detain him. And that's even an argument that the defense is making that detaining him was totally lawful. Absolutely lawful for them to uh, to detain him. They didn't hold him down, by the way. Nobody cuffed him. There wasn't a citizen's arrest like that. No, they imprisoned him in the neighborhood. They wouldn't let him leave. They had guns. They had a truck. They were following him. They wouldn't let him leave. That's what happened. The argument that the prosecution wants to make is they made the decision to attack Ahmed Arbery in their driveways because he was a black man running down their street. They shot and killed him, not because he was a threat to them, but because he wouldn't stop and talk to them. Now, that's true. You don't have to stop and talk to people. You absolutely do not have to stop and talk to people. And as uh, you, you learn in, in the prosecution, they did stop him from leaving. He tried to leave the neighborhood. They wouldn't let him leave. And then when they wouldn't let him leave and they were moving the car and they were, in some instances I saw reporting of him, like hitting him with the car, he's got these guys with guns going on him. He's like, I got to get out of here. And he reached, reached for one of the guns and that's when he got shot twice. And the defense is, why wasn't he screaming that he needed help? 
Why isn't he calling out? Hey, somebody call 911. There's crazy people after me. That's from the one of the defense attorneys, Kevin Gao. Maybe, he says, that's because Mr. Arbery doesn't want help. That's a weird, weird thing. I, I don't know if a jury um, goes for that. Another defense lawyer said he chose to fight without any sense of reason to run at a man wielding a shotgun, leaving him with no other alternative but to be placed in a position to kill him. Well, that would have worked very well in the Kyle Rittenhouse case, too, right? Here, here's uh, Rosenbaum running at you. You had no other choice. It's funny uh, that, that, that people are going to somehow have different views of these kinds of conversations. I think that's pretty interesting. The argument the defense is making is they saw somebody who was doing something wrong in their neighborhood and they wanted to do something about it, and this guy attacked them. Thank goodness they had the ability to protect and defend themselves. I don't think this is anything like Kyle Rittenhouse. In the case of Kyle Rittenhouse, he is the one being chased. In this case, these three guys, the McMichaels, uh, the father-son, they're the ones doing the chasing. That's a big difference. In the Rittenhouse case, the people chasing him did not have guns, except one did. In this case, they all had a weapon of some kind, and he was one without a weapon. So the the defense is saying, why didn't he just stop? What else should he have done with a couple of people who put guns in your face? Should he have given his life story, his social security number, his bank account? What should he have given these three guys because they had guns? He didn't scream out for help, and therefore that proves he didn't, he, he, what, he deserved it? I'm telling you, I, I, I am here to tell you, I think these three guys are guilty. What I can't figure out is how the charges go. I've been staring at this, right? Some of them I understand. Uh, criminal attempt to commit a felony. All right, that is, I think, a procedural thing. False imprisonment. Oh, I think that's, I think they're guilty of that. I think they're guilty of false imprisonment. Aggravated assault. I actually think this is the one that they're going to get convicted of. Aggravated assault in Georgia is defined as being assault, being an assault with the intent to commit another crime such as murder, robbery, or rape, and a weapon is used. You can get one to 20 years. What I cannot figure out is whether or not it's felony murder or malice murder. They have a thing called malice murder. Malice murder is when a person unlawfully and with malice, a forethought, causes the death of another person. It can come in a split second or be planned for a long time. Felony murder occurs when someone commits a serious or inherently dangerous felony and someone else dies during the crime, even if that murder was, wasn't planned. So are they going to argue that when they got their shotguns, that's when the malice murder charge kicks in because they planned on killing him? Or are they going to say, look, no one planned to kill this guy, but he did this and so they did that. I have no idea how that one goes. I'm 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 at a loss. But the aggravated assault and the and the false imprisonment, based on what I know, and certainly I'm open to anything. Give me more information. Based on what I know, I think these guys are found guilty.
And based on what I know, I'm going to be bothered if they're not. I'm Tony Katz.